All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. What's going on, good people of the internet? It's time for OnComicsGrounds.com's flagship podcast, Panel to Panel, where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such. We are back once again, once again, to talk about all that good comic book news and nerdy goodness that we love to do around here. It is almost Christmas here in the world we live in, and somehow we're still alive. Thank whatever forces you believe in. Um, whether it be the source wall. Huh? For the moment. For the moment, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, but we are going to keep trucking along. We are almost to 50 episodes, and we are very excited. Originally, our next episode was going to be the Wonder Woman review, but the way we like, it lined up, we had, we had one extra episode. So I was like, screw it, let's talk about all this stuff DC just threw in our faces this week. So we're going to go ahead and dive into it. Unfortunately, Travis Tucker is not here this evening, but my name is James Portis. To my right, we have the amazing the probably gonna be bitching about a couple of these things um, <laughs> we have mary how are you doing this evening oh i'm doing okay this is going to be the second time i have bitched about parts of future state today oh yeah you, you guessed on our show do you want to pimp it out yep. right quick for the people yeah um i'm not sure when that episode is gonna go up but i was a guest host on the old man wade show which is a podcast. It was a lot of fun. We talked about comic books. We talked about politics. It was just, it was a great conversation. It was a lot of fun. I feel bad because we blew over the time limit, so he has to break it into uh, two episodes. <laughs> like we had done that before. <laughs> right. So so that was fun. Um, he let me go off on tangents, which is always fun. Yes. But, but no, it was, it was a really good conversation, and it's, uh, I encourage you to check it out. I know it's on, because I've listened to it on Spotify, but uh, we'll have to double check, see what other platforms it's on. Yeah, we'll do a little bit of digging. I'll make sure I include the link in the description of the episode. But don't forget, folks, you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, literally like everywhere officially now, now that I done cussed out Pandora a couple times, we are officially on literally everywhere you could possibly imagine a podcast, except for SoundCloud. Like we are on everything. We are even on Amazon Music and Audible, but we're not on SoundCloud. (laughs) Why don't we like SoundCloud? I don't remember. The reason why we don't like SoundCloud is because SoundCloud is the only audio platform that requires you to 
um, upload your stuff through them. You can't just submit your RSS feed and just go like everybody else, like Apple, Google, everybody else is like, yo, just put your RSS feed in here and you can have your, your stuff here. Like, and that's what Amazon Prime did. Amazon Prime literally was like, yo, you're invited to put your stuff here. Like, we found your stuff on Apple Podcasts and you're invited to come put your stuff on our platform. And within 24 hours, we were on um, Audible. And I was like, holy crap. So, like, right now, Amazon is, like, my favorite people when it comes to, um, like, getting up our stuff. Because, like, they were lickety-split about that. Pandora took, a, took, like, eight months for living on the edge and blurred grounds. And us, it took me emailing and calling several times just to get panel-to-panel on. Because once, apparently, they lost our RSS feed email... And then I had to send it back. So, yeah, no, Pandora's on the shit list, but, like, Amazon's the prime dog for me right now. So, yay. But, you know, we don't like SoundCloud. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. I just couldn't remember why. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, That was my annoying tangent for the evening, but I'll, I'll have one good one later, too. Um, Then, uh, don't forget, that you, you can follow this podcast on, at, on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast. You can check out the website on Comics Ground on Twitter and Instagram at on Comics Ground and the website itself on dash comics-ground.com where all of our amazing reviews, previews, and solicitations are there for you to enjoy. And we are going to dive right into things. So DC Comics um apparently isn't on fire anymore, which I I, I guess that's a good thing. Um for the we, moment. For the moment, yeah. We were treated, as, as we know from our previous episode, we were like given the information that Future State is a thing. Future State is the remnants of Danadio's 5G plan. It was his big, like I guess, new 52 round two that happened, that, that he was trying to get off the ground as a new way to get people interested in the brand that is DC again. Because after he shot Rebirth in the foot, after all the sales were going great, and everything happened. This was his last-ditch effort to get things rolling again. And once he left, it seemed as if the, at the time, co-editor-in-chiefs were trying to put this back out into the ether as a small two-month, like, holdover event, like Convergence. But from now, from what we are seeing from DC's Ben Abernathy, like, from today... But we also have other announcements that were brought out during the week. But today, Ben Abernathy said in regards to the, these announcements that Future State is going to be what the plan is down the line. But we still want to wrap up plot lines that were going on before we said screw it. And I want to believe him. But... Given the fact that, like, like, like we, like we said, this is the remnants of the Dio's plan, and we've already talked about it on our Future State episode, that we don't know how, if that's really true. Um, before we dive into the list of like books that are dropping in March, Mary, how do you feel about? It? I mean, I think that. Um... Let's see, I'm trying to figure out how to put this. I think Future State will be the universe moving forward up until sales start to get shaky. And in that case, Future State's going to go right out the window. Mm. 
Because, and you know, I understand because a lot of people are talking about the fact that, you know, the old guard, if you will, um, you know, I'm talking Dan Dio, not the fantastic book, uh, a comic by Greg Rucka, and which has turned into a wonderful movie with Charlize Theron. Um, <laughs> just little, little plug there. Um, but um, now the kind of the old guard at DC is gone. I mean, we're talking to Dio. We're talking, honestly, Jeff Johns might be gone too. I don't know what's happening with that. But, um, so no, the, the same guys who have been in charge for the last, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 years, they're not there anymore. And they originally brought in um, Michelle Wells and Marie Javins, and Wells got the boot um, during that round of uh, Warner Brothers layoffs. Yeah. So, you know, her seat hadn't, and like, you know, she hadn't even warmed the seat before she was gone. And it's just kind of like, oh, okay. So now it's just literally just Marie Javins. And um, she may not be as reactionary as like Didio and Lee were slash are. Because Lee is still in the picture. But honestly, I feel like his position is more ceremonial than anything else. Yeah, I, I hate that that's a thing. But it's very much how fandom went where it's like, hey, Jim, you're the comic guy. And it's like, oh. Jim Lee has always struck me as something of a company man. But, you know, he, he goes in, he does what he's told, he collects his paycheck, he goes home. Like, I think Jim Lee just wants to draw. And I'm not, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And Jim Lee is an immensely talented man, but he's a company man at the end of the day. And um, so I don't think Javins, she may or may not be as reactionary as the guys were. But at the same time, AT&T is going to be putting a thumb on their back. So, I mean, they're running at, what, half the size of, you know, they've pretty much halved the editorial staff. Um, And it looks like we're going to see a much smaller lineup in terms of books that are published. And they're looking, you know, we've even seen, because it was rumors at first, we're starting to see it now, that we're looking at maybe a focus on more of a digital first model, eventually possibly transitioning to digital only. Uh, that's not going to happen overnight. It's probably going to be over the course of several years. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're launching more and more digital first series. And notably, Milestone's relaunch will look like it will be digital first. Yeah, and then they even announced that, that one of the books that is coming out in March is going to be a Wonder Woman book that is digital first. So that signals to me as like their dry run to slowly push forward into just having um, digital books. And what concerns me about what we've seen from March, because like we talked about in the, in the previous uh, Future State episode, like... The books for um, January and February look cool. They look like, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like, like, <sighs> anticipation is growing for them. I guess. Yeah, let's go with that. Like, they look appealing, but at the same time, we we kept saying, let's wait till March. Let's wait till March. But then, as you look at the solicitations there really isn't a whole lot coming out in March in terms of, like, big, mm-hmm. like, things. And we even predicted some of this, where it's like, you got your Batman, your detective, your Superman, your um action, but then you have, like, your Flash, your Wonder Woman, yada, yada. But then there's, like, nothing. There's 
um, a Justice League. There's a Teen Titans. There's like no Aquaman to be seen. Um, Morrison's over in his corner, literally could give a singular hell about this entire situation. Like literally, if you look at the bottom of the solicitations under the um under the Sandman stuff, Morrison's just down there doing his thing, not connected to any of this. And it, it screams to me that they're trying to trickle out the amount, but at the same time, as like like you said, one red flag could just like steamroll all of this. Like especially if pre-orders for January and February don't pan out, like April could look totally different, and mm-hmm. there would be no way to stop it because from what we've heard is that like some parts of this are going to be slowly transitioning to bigger things from the different articles that we've read. So, and from what we know that not every creative team from future state is rolling over. You have some people like the Nubia team uh, and a couple others that are just nowhere to be seen. So this could be make it or break it for a lot of these creators. And it's kind of crazy. I think future i think the biggest thing we're going to see from future state is a shakeup in the wonder family which mm-hmm. is both exciting and sort of irritating for a number of reasons um but um and i think um wonder woman the book with yara floor i think that book is going to sell like hotcakes because um you know the cw has already greenlit it for a tv show be that what it may um, no, I still don't know how I feel about that. CW is going to do what CW is going to do. AT&T wants an IP farm. And they just got handed yeah. one of the biggest IP farms in media in media at the moment. Like, find me IP farms bigger than uh, Marvel and DC. Like... True, and then like they them even green lighting a Naomi TV show when Naomi has one volume of a comic book, and mm-hmm. now and, and like it was it was so funny. I I was like, yo, give it a month or two, and you, and you remember me saying this. I was like, give it a month or two after this was announced, and you're gonna see Naomi back on the page. And they defied my expectations because if you look at the lineup, not only is Brian Michael Bendis on back on a team book. A big A-list team book with Justice League in March. But he's putting Naomi on the on the main line like she's the the Ms. Marvel of the Avengers. And mm. I'm just afraid that he's just gonna he's just gonna re-re all over this. And it's gonna be a mix of Riri and, and Miss Marvel to a T. Like the idea of oh, I mean, she's the awestruck like little girl rolling into the big leagues kind of thing. It's gonna be that to a T. What I say by that is that Bendis's Riri run. Ooh, that's that's a tongue twister. Oh. Um, he did too much too quickly. He, you know, every page of that book was just, oh my god, look at how amazing and perfect Riri is. We have cyber ghost Tony Stark telling her how perfect she is. And you know what? If the character's gonna kick ass, the character's gonna kick ass, and I am down for that. But I think Bendis was so busy trying to convince us of how cool she was that it just kind of fell flat. And, you know, and I'm not trying to sit here and argue that the character is unlikable or anything like that. No, no, no. I love Riri. We've seen her done well with people like Zub and, and Eve Ewing. We exactly. know she can be written well. 
I mean, it took Eve Ewing to come in and fix that book. And, you know, Jim Zub really kind of wove her into a team setting very easily. And, you know, Bendis is good at making things. He is not good at preserving them. Yeah. And what scares me about the just I know we're like jumping around every which way here. But like what scares me about the Justice League book specifically is un- unless Shai Hera's back to being Middle Eastern like she used to be and their race changing Hippolyta, which we'll get to the Hippolyta in a minute. I know you're going to rage about that. But like they're R- race- and Black. They're race, whip- they're race swapping Hippolyta? Well, no, like, if they, make, if they make her more Greek, similar to how um, Diana has been portrayed recently because uh, of, um, okay. it's like, my, was my thought process. Like, if they, like, darken her like the, the, the same way they've been doing with Diana, it, unless they do that with Shaira and, and Hippolyta, Black Adam and, and Naomi are going to be the only people of color on this team, and that looks like them just going, hey, Dwayne Johnson's getting a movie, and we need to prop up Naomi, and then anybody else Bendis wants can be on this team. And I just, I don't don't know, man. All I know is that, I think it was in the Discord, I think it was Ian that pointed out that Bendis cannot write a team book, and Mm. he can't. His Ian was absolutely right. His scenes go completely off the rails, and the dialogue is almost completely nonsensical. The last time Bendis wrote, like, like, like the the when the the, the day that broke the, the the straw broke the camel's back with Bendis was um, Age of Ultron. That was when you, that Bendis was just kind of falling off the rail when it came to writing a team book, and even a little bit before that, where it was like, was was Age of Ultron? Bendis, am I crazy? No, I think it was Hickman. Oh, or, that's what I thought. No, it was it was Bendis. It was it was it was okay. Bendis and Hitch. Yeah, okay. I was right. it was Hitch. Like okay. that that was that, that was the signal because that was right before Hickman took over Avengers, and that was like the sign of the century where Bendis cannot write a team book, and that bled into his X Men, which I'm gonna do a retrospective on that book at some point because goddamn that book is horrible. But, like, in general, Bendis being put in charge of Justice League is, like, going, well, he can write Avengers? No, honey, no. He is past his prime. Like, you're going to see every character in this book be snarky as hell. You're going to see Batman and Black Adam quipping like they're freaking Spider-Man. And it's going to be really concerning moving forward for this book. And And I... And I'm almost worried that Black Adam and, and Hippolyta are going to kind of be the quote-unquote adults in the room. And what worries me is that Hippolyta only leave When Hippolyta is off the mascara, shit has gone off the rails. Look at any major time, or even, like, because there have been a handful of times where Hippolyta has left the mascara to come to quote-unquote man's world. Uh, shit is not good. Either she is pulling some bullshit or she is trying to divert some bullshit. Yeah. I mean, she's kind of, I mean, she's the queen of an isolationist country. And now, you see most of this in the pre-Flashpoint continuity where Themyscira was a sovereign nation in the eye of the world. Mm -hmm. But no, she's the queen of an isolationist country. And there's been some weirdness going on with Themyscira in the current Wonder Woman run that would take me a long time to try and explain. But um, if she's off Themyscira, shit's not okay. 
And if she's on the Justice League, shit is even weirder. Mm-hmm. Because, and- because she has she has she herself has been Wonder Woman a handful of times. She has. But she's not in a Wonder Woman costume because she has the spear and it looks like she is going to be there as Hippolyta. And, you know, not only that, we're going to have, you know, Aquaman, who's a monarch, and Hippolyta, who's a monarch. Like, this has the recipe to be a complete shit show. And we're also, like, because of this, like, endless winter event that DC's kind of, like, rolling onto, like, onto the pavement while future states were coming in like it's the the red carpet kind of thing like hey look at us guys we're doing endless winter it's like so rushed and no one cares like there's even tie-ins and whatnot and literally no one's talking about it they don't even care endless winter is just blowing by as fast as the snow can go and that was my best pun ever um (laughs) and, and and like it was crazy and you have like hippolyta and black adam on the justice league bc like how um uh, Jason Aaron did the Avengers VC, and it like, like you said, it very much is going to be Black Adam and Hippolyta being the parents in the room, and that concerns me because you got like heavy hitters up in here, like Superman, Aquaman, Batman. You have the reuniting because of um, the, the metal tie-ins of Black Canary and Green Arrow being in a relationship again on the the heels of Aquaman and Mera being married again. And that looks like we're finally moving past the hurdle of the no marriage policy and trying to get back to a state of normalcy. But this team really feels like a hodgepodge of Bendis was told you can get whatever you want. And he was like, cool, give me my give me my little my little POC character here and then like you, 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 and you. And it's like, mm, I don't know what's going on, but I'm concerned. And because I, I don't remember who I was talking to, but somebody made the joke that um, Black Canary is just going to be written like Jessica Jones, who can scream really loud. Oh, God. oh no. Mar- oh, oh, no. I don't, re- I don't remember who I was talking to, but they made that comment. And I just went, oh, no. Uh, I, I, okay, we need to move on. This is bad. Okay. Uh, okay. We're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about some good stuff in this book. Uh, we're going to talk about some good stuff in this book. Uh, not this book, but like this um, solicitation. Like, like before I throw my my, my beer can off the side of the thing here, because um, <laughs> I, I, I want I want to give DC some praise here because there is some good in the solicitation. There is a lot of good things in the solicitations, but those were the couple red flags, and we'll get to mm-hmm. the, the, the other red flag that we really don't know about, or at least the two red flags. One I'm gonna bitch about, and the other one Mary's gonna bitch about in a minute. But I do want to give DC some props here because the big one that I see and I'm really excited for is the fact that Mariko Tamaki is taking over Detective Comics, which is one of the biggest things that could possibly happen in the year 2021, where you have a woman of color stepping up to the plate and writing Detective Comics. Not like, wow. I mean, she will be the first woman to uh, write an ongoing, you know, one of the big, because te- Batman and Detective Comics are the big Batman titles. Uh, she will actually be the first woman to write one of those titles. Uh, Devin Grayson, ironically, her last name is Grayson, was the, was the first woman to launch a Batman series, but she only did a 12-issue limited run. 
but you know tamaki is going to be the ongoing writer for this and that is massive because a woman's never written this book before um louise simonson wrote superman for years gail simone has written superman um so we've seen women kind of in the driver's seat with superman but never really with batman and i think we're going to fucking finally get a different perspective because when i'm looking at this infinite frontier crisis on frontier land um yeah we didn't even get to that we'll get to that in a second <laughs> that's gonna be a fun time it's the same goddamn people and i love scott snyder james james tynan he's on thin ice with me um <laughs> Yeah, too many clowns are going on here. We'll get to that. I, in a I mean, so like you know, these are some really solid professionals, and you know, the they're uh, Tinian is Tynan is talented, but he's on really thin fucking ice with me right now. So, but no, like I think Snyder is one of the last few people at DC that's trying to like have the the, the action packed Crisis on Infinite Earth event type of feel but also do what comic books are supposed to be which is the toys smashing together and having a good time yeah so i'll give him that but no the guard needs to change that the guard doesn't change and we can like create new concepts and new ideas then dc's destined to just be the same stuff and burn all of us out before we don't even want to read it anymore i mean and I, I will say this for death metal that or even just dark knight's metal just metal entirely it's really cool and i do not mean this disrespectfully it's really good fan fiction mm. and you know fan fiction is great you know i wrote fan fiction i i honestly i still read it i think we all have those little times where we just pull up a, you know we pull up ao3 um and so some of yeah. it can be really well done and this reads like really high quality fan fiction because you know it, it's it's tropey. They're having fun. Wonder Woman has a chainsaw of truth. Like she throws herself into the forge of the multiverse and comes out freaking like she's Superman one million. Exactly. So I mean, it, it's really good fan fiction. And you know, in, in terms of kind of the progression of writers, you know, we're starting to see Tamaki take a huge role because you know Tamaki started out of the gate with Supergirl being super. And that was phenomenal. And that, that was a damn good book. Um, Harley was, Quinn Breaking Glass. Harley Quinn Breaking Glass. Phenomenal. Yeah. And, you know, her Wonder Woman run, it started out really strong. It got a little weird, but that's just a personal hangup. It was very well written. But it looks like she's settling in to be DC's, quote, certified woman. And both Marvel and DC, they have certified women. Kelly Thompson is Marvel's certified woman. And that means, oh, if they need a woman to write a book, it's going to be Kelly Thompson, Captain Marvel, Black Widow. Um, I'm sure she's probably going to do another, she's going to do a Mockingbird project at some point. So if there is a lady book that needs written at Marvel, you know it's going to go to Kelly Thompson. And she's not bad at it. She's a very talented writer, but she's Marvel's certified woman. Not the only woman, but the certified woman. Now, uh, what DC's done here is okay. do something different from Marvel, which is not just steamroll her into doing the woman writer character set, like setup, but they were like, yo, just take Batman 
And that's a big power move. Then that is. And so that's an interesting inversion of that because, you know, for the longest time, Gail Simone was DC certified woman and Marguerite Bennett was their certified woman for a hot second because bombshells was this bizarre phenomenon that happens once a (laughs) decade or whatever. It sold like hotcakes. It was obscenely popular. And they're like, hey, do you want to do like a backup or a mini or something? She's like, I mean, I guess. And it, you know, it sort of looked like they were setting Bennett up for that role. But she kind of hightailed it out to indie books after, um, because she ended Bombshells. Bombshells was not canceled. Bombshells ended. That is a very important distinction. I have never seen a comic company release like a public statement about a book ending. And so she kind of wanted to go do their own thing, but Bennett was definitely setting up to be their certified woman. And they're kind of like, okay, well, we need another one, but it's kind of bucking it with giving Tamaki Detective, which is pretty goddamn out there. Because if there is a boys club at the boys club that is DC, or I guess was DC at this possibly, it's Batman. Yeah. And he was like the guarded testosterone center of the, the, the universe where you have to have this to run Batman. And now they're like, yo, take a shot. And especially with Dan Mora going in with her, that's a big move for them. Not only to take an indie artist and like a woman they've been working with for a long time and say, take a shot, see what you can do. I hope they, they, they stay around for a hot minute. Because, I mean, that that's a hell of a team right there. Mm-hmm. So from there, um, like, but now that we've like given them a bit of praise, I want to talk about mm-hmm. what you brought up, which was the issue of this launch book, similar to how they did DC uh, Universe Rebirth. We're getting a one-shot book at the beginning of March called DC Infinite Frontier. And... I, I, how do I put this? This feels like the confirmation that Bleeding Cool got a while ago of the DC quote-unquote omniverse that was being lined up as like, yo, anything can happen. We can tell a story here. We can tell a story there. We can have Tom Taylor tell his zombie fiction over there. We can have... Um, d- digital first books that aren't in canon over here. We can do whatever we want over here with Future State. It doesn't matter. Everything is cool. As long as you have a jumping on point, you can enjoy it. And the cover of this Infinite Frontier feels like that's the direction we're going a bit. You have, like, literally everything slowly being propped up to be what Future State is going to be. And originally, we were scared that... DC uh-huh. Future State was going to be a, thro- a throwaway event. But you got Red X. You have the new non-binary Flash on the cover. You do have um, Nubia up front, like in center. Black Adam on the front. You have like all, like the, the, the newer Teen Titans Academy people and whatnot. This feels like DC's uh, like saying, okay, we'll give this new like setup a chance in this like the next few months be the groundwork working towards that but they will pull the trigger if they need to. Now, the infinite, the variant cover for this next phase of the DC Universe begins. Oh, boy. Um, let, let, let me intro this before Mary has an aneurysm. 
because oh. if you look on if you look on the the, ba- the the front cover of the book, Diana of Themyscira is not standing with the rest of the heroes. She's like a, a ghost off in the sunset, as 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 you would put it. But then you look at the variant cover, and it looks like for all us old uh, DC readers from the 2000s that Diana's getting the Hal Jordan treatment, as it were. (laughs) What I mean by that is it looks like what Diana might be becoming the new Spectre, meaning she's going to die. And I don't know how this is gonna go, but I'm gonna let Mary take this one while I'm trying to process this. I don't, because a lot of people are talking about her going to the God Sphere, which is some Grant Morrison stuff that it would take 40, 14 episodes to explain. Probably. Um, and it looks like she's with the Spectre, so teaming up with the Spectre, becoming the Spectre, it's either or, really. Um... Am I convinced they're going to kill her? No. Do I think it's a possibility they will? Yes. And that she'll get some kind of fantastical godlike power. Uh, hang on a sec. And whereas I think it's cool they want to expand the Wonder family, because I mean, Nubia is a very long standing character. Uh, she was removed from continuity. I think she was introduced in 73 or 74. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, Something like that. She was wiped out of existence during crisis, after crisis, and then wasn't reintroduced until 1999, and then was wiped out of existence again with the new 52, and then was reintroduced during Wilson's run. I want to say 19. So, an experienced Wonder Woman fan will know who Nubia is right off the bat. Um, if I see one more person on Twitter say that Nubia is just Black Diana, I'm going to break somebody's face. Yeah. Because I'm getting really sick of it. They're literally, I mean, Nubia is probably the only good thing Robert Kanger ever fucking did, and he was on that book for two goddamn decades. Um, yeah. You know, he, he was involved with Wonder Woman for 20 years, and there was no DC character he hated more than Wonder Woman. But uh, that's uh, that's a story for a different time. Um, but in regards to Diana possibly being imbued with the, the yeah, power me, of God, how 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 are you feeling about that being becoming a thing? I mean, like like I before I kind of went off of my mini tangent, wanting to expand the Wonder Woman family, I think that's great. Um, we need to do it because you know George Perez built this strong Amazonian atmosphere, and now he Nubia was like I said she wasn't reintroduced until the late '90s, but you know she was slotted into that atmosphere really well. And you know you have Donna, who has been a very popular character for a very long time. You have Cassie, who's just kind of there. I don't. Because no one knows what to do with her since the new 52. And it's stupid. And literally, Lobdell gave her this weird, like, Tron armor thing that, like, grows on her body and that has no connection to Greek mythology whatsoever. And then Bendis was like, what silent armor? She's just the granddaughter of Zeus. And she's basically just how she was pre-new 52. And it's like, what? And so... I mean, I'm down with that. And, you know, if Nubia wants to, if they want Nubia to be Wonder Woman, I'm totally on board with that. 
Um, I know they're bringing in Yara Floor probably is the new Wonder Girl, I believe, that I think there's going to be some age stuff, that she's going to be older in Future State when she's Wonder Woman, and then younger in the new continuity when she's Wonder Girl. At least I think how that's going to play out. But, um, and so obviously, like, ask any experienced Wonder Woman fan, we will sit here and rattle off all of our favorite 40,000 members of the Wonder Books. However, my big problem is, is that it seems like they're treating Diana's exit as, you know, the sun setting on this massive multi-decade legacy when DC only ever started to give a shit about this character in 2016. I mean, and obviously, like, you know, Perez's Wonder Woman is probably second only to the Golden Age in transformative Wonder Woman work. And um, surprisingly, you know, for all of its fame, surprisingly few modern, you know, newer modern comic audiences have actually read George Perez's Wonder Woman. And I highly recommend it as a damn good book. But for all of Wonder Woman's fame and, uh, you know, acclaim and impact, surprisingly very few people have only read more than one or two runs. Or I believe Ian Snarkily put it, one or two issues. Mm. And the la- when was the last time we had a major Wonder Woman event? Uh, it was Amazon's Attack? It was Amazon's Attack. <laughs> that now, thing was horrible. And Amazon's Attack was so bad, people mailed their books back to DC. Yep, it was that bad. And so that's really the last big time, you know, we had a key Wonder Woman thing. She's had legendary moments in her own book. You know, my personal favorite Wonder Woman moment being when she blinds herself with Medusa's venom. Because that shit was badass. But so, I mean, that's a really big moment that is big to Wonder fans. And so I am irritated for the sense of, oh, okay, you're trying to shove a Batman or Superman-type comic legacy into a character that you really didn't pay attention to in, like, the larger scheme of the DC Universe until 2016. And that's when they brought Greg Rucka back to fix whatever Brian Azzarello had done. You know, Brian Azzarello, Meredith Finch, to fix the New 52 nonsense. And they brought it in, he fixed it, and then he left. And then 2017 is when we had the movie. And then it was her 75th anniversary. And 2016, 2017 was her 75th anniversary. So then they did all this big Wonder Woman shit before the movie. And even then, you're kind of looking at it, you know, experienced experienced Wonder fans are kind of looking at it going, oh, this is nice, but it's really slim pickings you got here. And so I've, I am irritated from the sense of they're treating it like this big empire that, you know, is moving off into the sunset when they've only really started to give a shit in the last four years. Well, now, and here's the other weird thing, because you have Williamson teasing this weird, possibly Diana becoming the Spectre thing. And then you have Wonder Woman number 770 coming out in March as well, written by Becky Cloonan. And it looks like... Um, Diana's heading to Valhalla? And I'm like, um, are you trying to say it's what's going to happen to her? Are you saying that, like, that's how you're taking her off the board? Are you saying this is just the next chapter for her? Make up your mind. So it's like, 
I'm worried not like if I, because, like I'm not the biggest like Diana fan. I care more about Donna and Cassie than I do Diana. But at the same time, I'm looking at this like it's, it's, it's literally what you're saying. It's like they're trying to shove this importance behind Diana that wasn't there before DC started to realize what they had. And I, I find myself concerned that they're gonna prop her up as what she should have been all along, but mm-hmm. then they're not being enough gas behind the, the car to push it off the cliff. Yeah. And I did a Twitter thread about this the other day. And, you know, a lot of people talk about aging out certain characters and having legacy heroes take over. Like, um, you know, Miles Morales taking over as the sole Spider-Man of the Marvel Universe kind of thing. Like what the Ultimate Universe did is, you know, Peter died and then Miles took over as the sole Spider-Man. Narratively, that makes sense. Sales-wise, fans are a bit more fickle about it. Um, so Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman do not need to be Bruce Clark and Diana, respectively. Bruce Clark and Diana don't need to be Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman can and honestly should be anybody, within reason, of course. Um, I don't want, you know, like, Cassie to be Wonder Woman or something. Why not? Just because I knew it would elicit that reaction from you. <laughs> I you. Yep. So, I mean, they can and should be anyone. However, I do think the DC universe needs Bruce Clark and Diana. I mean, you know, Clark is, you know, Clark Kent should be an example of what honest to God investigative journalism, you know, is supposed to be. And, you know, we've had four years of this relentless attack on reporters and the media. And how cool would it be to have Clark Kent really put his nose to the grindstone and he and Lois team up to take some shit down? That would be a great book. Uh, everybody, <laughs> yeah, everybody talks about, oh, Bruce Wayne does all this charity work, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's actually see it. You know, mm-hmm. I would wager that Gotham needs Bruce Wayne more than it needs Batman. So let's get a book or a mini or whatever of Bruce Wayne putting his nose to the grindstone and working to like improve Gotham's infrastructure instead of throwing charity events where all of that money is tax deductible because again, we all know Batman does not pay his taxes. Agreed. Uh, and that, it, it, and that you is how I Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And it's like, I think, and what's crazy is I, I still love that I was right about Tim Fox being the one to take over as Batman and not Luke, uh, Lucas Fox. Because you now have the situation where there is a new guard propped ready to set up where you have Luke, Yara Floor, and Jonathan, and they're not being shy about it. Like the issue like the Superman issues that the new writer is writing show that Jonathan will become the next Superman. Yara Floor is doing a TV show and she will at some point become Wonder Woman fully. Like they're propping this stuff up to be the future. And oh, it, it, and- it and okay. and let Wonder Woman be a goddamn ambassador again because during the Jimenez run she was a UN ambassador. So she was. Have her, you know, step away from Wonder Woman. Let her be Diana of the Mascara ambassador to the United Nations. And sure, sometimes she'll slip out for various Wonder-based genii because I imagine you know these three will slip out to various you know mantle-shaped shenanigans like. Oh no, there are two bad guys and Nubia needs help. Here comes Wonder Woman. Oh no, yeah. there are two of Lex Luthor. 
you know, Clark can take one, John can take the other. So, I mean, they can have their little shenanigans from the side, but let's see how these characters themselves interact with the universe. And we can kind of hand it off to someone else. Because I think those three are intrinsic to the DC universe and we don't get to see them as people a lot. Agreed. And and it's like, it's how I felt about like Spider-Man for the longest time where it's like Peter Parker, um, Jesus Christ slot needed to go a long time ago, but like he, he set up Peter's exit flawlessly where you have Peter running to his dream job of running a fortune 500 company. He could have just been done. He could have handed the, 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 the full mantle to Miles. Miles. Miles could have been the amazing Spider-Man. Peter could have been his Batman beyond, like, Bruce Wayne on the, the computer and been fine. And we know that formula works because Batman Beyond it was successful. And Bruce Wayne was good in that role of being the guy in the chair. So he could focus on his company, settle down with Selina, despite Tom King's stupidity. And I will say that. Um, and, like... And you could have that, that that narrative, that story fully take shape and be the DC universe. You could have Clark go wherever he wants to, whether it be planet hopping or whatever the heck is going on in Future State with him to make Jonathan take over. And you could have Diana become an ambassador and focus on the political side of Themyscira, similar to how T'Challa has done that for Wakanda in Marvel's books. So it's like, you can have... Your cake and eat it too, where you have legacy but still have the characters around, but DC's too scared of their longtime readers to give it a chance. I mean, like, I, I would love a book where, you know, Nubia finds Ares and beats the ever-loving shit out of him because she's like, you fucking kidnapped me as an infant, you piece of shit. And mm. That's what happens in the way back days. Um, and so, like, I, I want a, you know, Nubia is Wonder Woman book because I've always been a really huge fan of that. And, um, you know, Nubia is Wonder Woman. Again, it's experienced Wonder fans. We love it. We want it. Give it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I am still sort of ambivalent about Yara Floor. I'm very excited for her because, honestly, we need more Wonder characters <laughs> So I'm very excited about a new one, but I'm not forming an, oh my God, she's perfect, or an, oh my God, she's eh, you know, concluded. I'm not forming that yet until I can actually read the book. Cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. Thank you. I couldn't think of it. But, um, you know, I also just really want to see Diana be an ambassador again. Like, let's see her be a person, you know. We can have the wonder adventures over here, and Diana brings up the mop and cleans up after it. So, you know, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman can and should be anyone but I do think the DC universe needs Bruce Clark and Diana. So yeah. that's that's my big thing. Now, when it comes to the other side, let's give DC a little bit more praise before I go on my rant of the evening. Um, so it was announced by critical acclaim, and I'm very excited about this, <laughs> that the GOAT himself, the, the king of all that is that is writing, Tom Taylor, the, the the beautiful, the, the handsome, the greatest thing to ever happen to DC Legacy Books anywhere, Tom Taylor, is going to be writing Nightwing coming in March. And I could not be freaking happier. And, uh, like, literally, the idea that Tom Taylor is getting a crack at Nightwing now that the, the Rick Grayson nonsense is gone, like... I feel so bad for you, Dan Jurgens. I feel so bad for you that you were put through that. Like, 
dang it, Tom King, for making, making Dan Jurgens write that because Dan Jurgens did not deserve that hell. But like now we see Tom Taylor getting to step up to the plate and write Nightwing. And I think my biggest concern with that book, and I don't know if Tom Taylor has talked to this on Twitter or not, but it specifically says in the solicitations that Batgirl is going to be helping Nightwing because of like what happens at the end of Dark Knight's Death Metal is that like um, him and Barbara kind of get like pseudo married and now she's returning to Bloodhaven with him. And like, that's like, that's sort of how like, um, and how the Batgirl book ends not actually because like she starts doing a lot more political based stuff and like, she sort of goes, yo, I need time. But then the end of the world happens and like, so there's possibilities that it could be a thing. So Mm-hmm. At the, the same time, you have the mantle being passed to Cassandra and Steph. So it's like, what is it? Is she Oracle? Is is she Batgirl Prime? Like the one book Tynan did said. Like, what 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 is going on? But in regard, but in, in yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think Barb is kind of that one character nobody knows what to do with. Because half the fandom absolutely wants her as Batgirl. To half the fandom, she is Batgirl. She will always be Batgirl. And it, there's nothing surf like intrinsically wrong with that. But at the same time, to the other half of the fandom, she is and should forever be Oracle. Yeah. And I love Barbara's Batgirl and I love Barbara's Oracle. I think the way they kind of removed Oracle was really, really sloppy and probably not something. I got a chip in my spine. Yeah, that was that was messy and should probably have been a no. But Gail was not asked; she was told. Um, And um, you know, so for other people, you know, we've had two and a half. Tiffany Fox was Batgirl in a one shot during the new 52. Um, so like I two and a half Batgirls since subsequent Batgirls. And for a lot of fans coming through, they had never read Barbara's Batgirl because, you know, after the killing joke, she was never Batgirl. So, you know, for the other half of the fandom, Barbara is Oracle and you have any one of these two, only one is the true Batgirl, but any one of these two other I women is Batgirl. Just saying. She can be spoiler. You can put a bat in the spoiler costume. Just, just, just wait till January when Kamagudo comes back because we're going to have this out, damn it. <laughs> it. Like You can put a bat in the spoiler costume, but Cassandra Kane is the one true Batgirl. Thank you for playing. Um <laughs> I actually really? talked about I talked a little bit about that in the old man Wade show and he doesn't like Stephanie either and I'm just so God un- damn it. I'm so thrilled to know I'm not alone. Well you're not alone. You have Travis, but like I can't wait until January when when, when Kat comes back and it's literally gonna be me and Kat versus you and Travis and it's gonna be glorious. But like- I, I talked about this in the old man Wayne show. I have never let go of that rage of those two guys in the comic book shop so excited about the fact that Batgirl who was Cassandra Kane at the time was gonna go back to normal, and there was We're gonna a end up doing a freaking Cassandra Kane spotlight, the, like, like how we did Laura, because the way we keep having this fight is like the best thing we have ever well, done like, on the show. Like that's the thing is that there was a lot of pushback on an Asian Batgirl because you know people seem to run under the assumption that this was wholly accepted and fine and good, and nobody was mad. No, 
people lost their goddamn minds. They did. And it's, you know, I was actively buying comic books during Cassandra Cain's Batman run. Uh, Batman, <laughs> she should be Batman too. Um, during Cassandra Cain's, ba- during Cass Cain's Batgirl run, I was actively buying comics at the time. And so many people were just so angry about it. And when they I mean, announced that, when they announced that they were going to make Stephanie Batgirl and boot Cassandra off into being Black Bat or whatever... You know, it kind of felt like, you know, uh, you, you uh, um, gay people getting married versus gay people having a civil union kind of a thing. Cassandra <laughs> got to have the civil union equivalent of Batgirl. God damn it. Even if you just wanted them both to be Batgirl, but like a new character should never come at the expense of like of a marginalized one, you know? Yeah. Cassandra is, you know, some would argue she's autistically coded or uh, co- um, coded as autistic. I've seen that argument, uh, not argument, but that theory made a lot. I've seen she is to an extent disabled. Um, so you have a disabled woman of color as Batgirl, but Replaced oh no, by people are mad. So we got to bring in the pretty blonde white girl and people get so angry at me when I bring that up. Like, well, she's not that character anymore. I recognize that. And you know, the, it was never the character herself going, look how blonde and pretty and white I am. But no, nah, she was always the underdog character. She never like saw like there was never written yeah. to be like that, but the point still stands that you replaced the woman of color with a, a pretty white girl. The kowtow to racists. Yeah. And, that, and that bothers me that it fucking worked. It's a, it's the equivalent of how they, they they literally answered to the the, the comics gators and, and put Sam back in the Falcon suit. Like it's the same damn thing. And it's like I agree with you, but at the same time, I grew up in the Peter David era when Tim was Robin, and then Stephanie showed up, and Stephanie was my bundle little rebel chick that kicked ass, and then. Like there was still Cassandra in the background, but then you had um her, like a Steph, and then you watch Black Mash just tear this little girl to shreds when she tried to hold her own, and then yeah, you been... see you see Batman like cry over her, and then Do- Do- Leslie Thompson goes, "Don't worry, she's alive. She's over here. Don't worry about it. It's okay." And it's like even, yay, but even, <laughs> even I thought her Robin death was a bit much, and it, it's. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, no, the response is, well, we have both now, and they can both be Batgirl. And I'm like, that doesn't remove my rage. And do I take it out on the character? Absolutely. Because the character (laughs) bugs me. Because I look at that, and you you see it, and that link is just made. Everyone has that one character that sparks some kind of, like, existential rage fire. For me, that's Damien, and we'll get to that in a second. And And the joke that I like to make that really pisses a lot of people off is that I feel like Stephanie Brown is the type of person to call Kate the F word behind her back. Oh no, no! <laughs> that that Stephanie likes gay Barry! guys. Are really weird about lesbians. I'm so. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, mm. The only I, way, the only way I will accept Stephanie Brown with no arguments is if she and Cass are a thing. If she and Cass are a thing, okay, you know, I can make it work because gay stuff. But I mean, Cass and Harper were starting to be a thing from Tynan, and they kind of just threw it out the window. But... Uh, Tynan. Okay. Not Tynan, but so... I don't 
I have complicated feelings with Harper Rowe. We'll, 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 we'll revisit, but no, how, are you excited okay, for Tom Hiller to take over as Nightwing? Yes. Um, I don't typically read Nightwing books because, eh, but um, I think Tom Taylor. <laughs> I just I read him in the New Teen Titans in the Wolfman and Perez days, and I really liked him. But he reminds me a little too much of the spoiled rich kid, basically. Like, yes, okay. he lost his parents as well, but at the same time. It's the whole, you know, don't tell me not to dance, dad thing. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, I'll give you that. But at least it's being put in the hands of Taylor, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that man is, uh, he has done a fantastic job. He really seems to get characters like nobody's business. Um, we need to have some words about whatever the fuck lesbian drama he pulled an injustice but that's a personal hang-up yeah. <laughs> um so you know i think the one thing we're excited for is going to be nightwing um i'm i'm putting the kibosh on flash solely because jeremy adams i have some faith that you could like finally um make wally the flash again possibly but at the same right. time i'm huh I like I like Barry. I like Barry a lot. Jake Eric is my favorite Flash, but Agreed. I like Barry. But my God, just, just, oh my God. Like, I get that Dan DiDio didn't like Wally West, but I am so sick of people just arguing for Barry, for Wally over Barry and Barry over Wally. Like, just make Wally the Flash again so I can stop having to listen to it. Like, is seriously. This is this how people feel when I complain about Stephanie Brown? Just like, oh my yes. God, shut the hell up already. Like, I but no, like, you know, I agree with you solely because, like, and this is the stance that I will always take with Barry and Hal, is that their time was over. We were done. Like, the, 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 the nearest Johns needed to do with Barry was what he did in Infinite Crisis, where Barry came out the Speed Force and helped pull Superboy Prime in. That should have been the end of it. Like, we should have been done. It should have been over. We never talked about Barry again. We never talked about Hal again. It would have been fine. But now we live in this chaotic bullshit world where freaking they tried to race change Wally. Didn't work. Wallace is over in the corner and no one knows what to do with him. Um, they brought Wally back because of fan outrage. Barry's just trying to exist because of the TV show. And it's just this convoluted mess of nonsense. And it's just put Wally in the retirement home or put him in the grave. Like literally g g give him and give him and Linda a nice send off. Let, let him go off. Not Linda. That's Wally's chick. Um, let, let, let uh, Barry and Iris go off and like retire with, with, with the tornado twins. Let them go, be fine and just give Wally the role because Every time I turn around, it feels like the Dio or somebody is trying to break Wally's kneecaps. And I'm just like, stop, <laughs> please. And Marvel and DC both do this, but whoever is writing the books at the time, and I know I'm painting a lot of creators with the same brush, and obviously this is not a blanket statement, but writers just want to recreate the books that they read as kids. And you growing up, Barry was the Flash that DiDio read. 
you know, uh, yeah. with somebody like Tynan, you know, Tim was the Robin that he read. So, you know, a lot of writers just want to recreate the books they read as a kid. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you have multi-generational writers, it creates a sense of weirdness. Because ultimately, Barry and Wally, they're both very likable characters. Mm-hmm. But it's two sides of the same coin. You know, the Flash is always going to be the same character. You know, the Flash is always going to have this one set of ideals. You know, Batman is always going to have this one set of ideals. Batman doesn't use guns. Batman doesn't kill. It doesn't matter who's wearing the cowl. That's the one constant. So all of these characters are going to be relatively the same, regardless of who's wearing the costume. But gets weird because people want the version they read as a kid because they would read it and they'd make up stories in their head. And they're like, they actually get the chance to write those stories. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but it gets really yeah. messy really quickly. And I will vote that we just have Wally be the Flash because Linda Park was cooler than Iris West. Agreed. But no, and I agree with you to like, like for me, like I grew up with Wally being the one that taught Bart how to Flash. I grew up with a Rosenbaum as Wally on, on the TV show. Like, Wally is the one that's in my head. But at the same time, where my, if, if I had my way, Bart would be the Flash. If I had my way, freaking Tim would be Batman, Connor would be Superman, Cassie would be Wonder Woman, Bart would be Flash, because that way I can fix the, 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 the evil that is the Titans of Tomorrow universe that John's created and prove that those four could actually be the, the legacy characters they're supposed to be. But the reason I say that is because they are supposed to be the next generation. It's what the problem that DC refuses to recognize is that the next generation is going to come whether you like it or not. And Future State literally is like saying fuck half of their legacy characters. But the biggest problem that Marvel and DC as a whole need to understand is that legacy is going to come. Like, in 99 years, if we're still publishing Marvel and DC books, if um if, if um fucking what's his name fuck, what, it's, i'm gonna get so mad at myself in a second I, i'm gonna ruin my entire um computer i need you to load um this is gonna make me so mad i know this like it's so mad. miguel o'hara miguel o'hara um if, if, if Miguel O'Hara is in Spider-Man, then people are going to look at you like you're stupid. It's the same reason why that whole thing with with, with um, Slot during his Iron Man run, when Iron Man 2020 was supposed to be coming out, and it's supposed to be Arno Stark with the big gears, you looked kind of stupid when the book was kind of not good, and you rushed it into production. Actually, no, you didn't rush it. It was delayed it's, at the wazoo. Was that and the it's like, part of that book? Yeah, no, that, that's what the because the, the whole thing was during the eighties. There was in a like in like a Iron Man um, arc where Iron Man twenty twenty came from the future and said, "Hi, I'm your brother from the future. Look at me. I'm from the year twenty twenty. So that's yeah. why uh, all during twenty nineteen they were hyping up Iron Man twenty twenty because they were gonna bring back Arno and make him Iron Man. Gotcha. So but- so it's like. We don't get to a point where legacy occurs, then there's no progress. That's why I want Wally to be the Flash. That's why I want Bart to take over the mantle at some point again. Because we need to see progression, otherwise we're just running in circles. 
I think the big problem that both Marvel and DC are having in terms of legacy characters is that there are too many in too close an age range. <clears throat> because let's look at, you know, two examples. We have um, Runaway slash Young Avengers and um, Champions. You know, these are books that were published roughly 10 years or so apart. And yeah. you know, while that 10 years makes a difference, it's still within a decade. So, and I'm talking like the, the first volume of Young Avengers, which was like mm -hmm. 2006, I think. And I, I think, think so, yeah. And I think Champions may have been a 2015, 2016 launch. Um, somewhere around there. But, you know, roughly, give or take, 10 years apart. Runaways is a bit of an outlier because they are the oldest of these teams, but I'm lumping them in anyway just because those characters are still running at the moment. Yeah. So you have that group and champions versus the Teen Titans and Young Justice. That, you know, the Teen Titans really got kicked off, you know. The Teen Titans ran consistently in some iteration through to the introduction of Young Justice. Yeah. So, you know, you have these characters that have more or less stayed the same age, but, you know, they've had to age them up gradually so that way, you know, this Young Justice team can come in. Or, you know, they've had to age up the Young Avengers a little bit so they could make room for champions. And these characters are in very close age range. So if you want to hand the mantle of insert whatever character that you are a sidekick and or obviously based off of, what do you do? Do you mix and match the teams, which would be awkward publication? Because, okay, are we going to take Kate Bishop and put her on this new Avengers team and she's going to be the new Hawkeye? And then we're going to take Kamala and she's going to be the new Marvel, you know, Captain, Miss, whatever, Marvel. So she's going to be there. Okay, we're going to take um, Billy because he's Doctor Strange. and We're going to take Riri because she's Iron Man. So that gets weird because then you have fans of the teams going, oh, well, what about Teddy? You're taking Billy, but not Teddy. Or, oh, you're taking Riri, but not Viv. And then you I have the answer for that. And then you flip back to the Teen Titans where, okay, well, Dick Grayson is going to be Robin, but, you know, Connor is going to be Superman kind of a thing. So yeah. you, you have the prospect of pissing off, you know, several groups of fans. So what do you do? in that situation and there is no simple answer they're really because either you mix the teams and piss off the separate fans or you pick one team over the other and piss off that group of fans so you have to break it down from a sales perspective of because at the end of the day these people just want to sell their comics yes yeah. the create yet yeah, the creators are passionate but the editorial and corporate boards are like okay but money true so what do you do in that regard? And that's the big problem that Marvel and DC both are having, that Dick Grayson, at most, not older than his mid-20s in any serviceable fashion. So, you know, Tim Drake is early 20s, and, you know, we know canonically there's not a huge age gap between Tim and Dick. Yeah. So what do you do? Who gets to be Batman? If, you know, there's maybe, I'm being generous, maybe 10 years between them. Who gets to be Batman? Because answer, answer is, and this is not because I'm a Tim fan. I don't want you calling me out because I'm a Tim fan. The answer is Tim. Because not only have we already seen multiple iterations of Dick as Batman, but every time 
Dick has become Batman, it's reluctantly. He doesn't want to be Batman. And that's what you see with every member of the um the Titan generation, the Teen Titan generation, like the, the, the Fab Five, where you see Wally is the only one that like went to the big leagues because he wanted to go to the big leagues. Donna stayed where she was. She's happy being Troya, whatever the hell you want to call her. I, I, I know they need to go back calling her Troya or something at this point. But it's like she became Troya. Um, Roy didn't become Green Arrow. He became Red Arrow and, did, and, and became his own man. That's what everyone loved about Roy. Dick wants to be Nightwing. He doesn't ever want to be Batman. Same thing with Tempest. Tempest never wants to be Aquaman. He wants to be Tempest on the throne at some point because he wants to be the next in line to be the king, but he never wants to be Aquaman. So if you're looking at it um, perspectively, the next generation should be the technically third, because I don't care about the, like, the, the dark trinity of Artemis and Jason and whatever the fuck Lobdell was doing, but it should be the third generation. It should be... Tim, Cassie, Bart, Connor, and technically Jackson, but everyone keeps trying to shove him with Damien's generation, even though Bendis kind of did fix that and put him with Tim, and that would be your Justice League. And then from there, at some point, even though I hate him, Damien should have been the next one to take over at some point with um, uh, Kimiko Queen um, and like all of that. There is a right of succession here if people actually gave a crap about the Teen Titans. But no, that's why the New 52 is a freaking disaster. That's why like you and I had that discussion on Twitter where the New 52 failed because no one looked at the kids. And when you didn't look at the kids, your entire universe looked stupid. So, like, and you're right, the age gap is the biggest problem. But so, see, here's the yeah. thing. For all of your posturing and, you know, feces and corkboard with the red yarn, I can think... <laughs> I can think of no less than 10 people I know personally who have lined up to counter every single point that you have. Brilliant. That, that, okay, you know, you say that Tim should be Batman because of this, this, and this. However, you know, Dick Grayson is Bruce's effectively oldest son. You know, it is the, the firstborn son job to take after his father. And the fact that Tim is, that Dick is reluctant to take it means he's the right person to take it, which means he's going to be honest about it. So for every point, there is a counterpoint. And that's... At some point. And because and personally, I don't really care. You want Jason and you know it, even though it go horribly wrong, you'd want Jason. No, I don't want Jason as Batman because, you know, we tried that with Battle for the Cow and we saw how that went. But Jason <laughs> Jason doesn't make sense. He's the middle child. Yeah, that's right. That, I mean, and if Damien, adding Damien to the equation kind of makes a weird thing, but Jason is the middle child. Jason acts out. I mean, I think he's perfectly justified to act out because Bruce did low-key let him die. Um, yeah. um, but, well, let's, well, let's go to the Damien because we're, we're here. Like, we'll, we'll have to revisit this conversation at some point. We might go a whole episode about it. The legacy of the kids. Because it's going to happen here in a minute when Titans Academy comes out where I'm going to want a bitch. So we might have to make a whole episode about the kids' problem. But Damien is the other problem that I see on the table. Because Williamson, in the back of the... the um, I'm trying to get us back on track, even though I love the conversation we're having. 
because <laughs> I love how you ran the arguments against I'm me. Sorry. I love I, that. <laughs> I, I love that Damien's all like, I have the blood of the bat, blah, blah, blah. I'm the only one that should be here. And I'm waiting for Kate to go, you realize I am literally your cousin. Right? Like, like <laughs> and what, here's the thing, like, like, Williamson is apparently doing these, like, he was put, like, teasing it on Twitter that, like, Damien's going to reunite with Tali and all this other nonsense. And, um... Damien's getting his backups in the back of Titans book written by Williamson. And Damian go away. Damien makes more sense as head of the beast. He does. Yes. He, he doesn't. That's what Jurgen got right in Batman Beyond. Exactly. That's what he got right in Batman Beyond is that he was the new, quote unquote, new Rachel Ghoul. He was the head of the beast. That makes sense for Damien's characterization. He yes. is ultimately at odds with his father's. Um, uh mantra i think damien you know all jokes aside all jokes opinions whatever aside damien's not a bad kid except his weird supermax supervillain prison yeah and i think there is an inherent goodness about him but that's not going to supersede who his nature if you will agreed and, and, with I the, th- and I, I think he makes more head as the head of the beast, and I think he could honestly make genuine reforms. He's yeah. not, not going to be Mr. Burn it all down. It's okay, let's look at this and do something else with it. I mean, you know, this is the kid that gave us Bat-Cow, and I love that. Mm-hmm. So he's a, he, he ultimately Damien is kind. And yeah. no amount of indoctrination or whatever is going to change that, that ultimately he is kind. And it's like I've had, and I, you can, but you, viewers, listeners, you can go back to my, my me and Travis's rant on Robin Anniversary Day, where I said Damien shouldn't exist, and I will st- firmly stand on that belief that Damien Wayne should not exist. But at the same time, he's here. I have to live with him. But I agree with Mary that Damien had his moment as Robin, but Percy and, and Percy did, and Percy, Percy, um, Tomasi and Jurgens all tried to reform him and despite what Morrison tried to do because Morrison really didn't give a fuck. He just wanted to say, he just wanted to put his um, his piss in the ground and say, here's my Robin. Like he wanted to put his cement hands on the table and say, yo, I put a Robin here like everybody else did. But in reality, Damien should never be a Robin. Like screw the new 52 movies and the Damien and Robin. Damien and Raven fangirls and whatnot. Like to be tra- Robin, just like, like, a Harley Quinn cartoon, because that is perfect. Yeah, no, like that was the greatest thing ever. But like, like screw the little Damien and Raven fa- fan stands. Like, like I'm sorry. Like you can have your movies if you want them. But Dan Jurgens wrote him perfectly. He doesn't need to be a monster Batman killer like how Morrison wrote him in Earth Six Six Six. He needs to be what Jurgens made him to be, which pretty much, if you look back at it, at the Black Bat era that Mary wanted to reference, that um, Cassandra kind of tried to reform the League of Assassins during the Red Robin comics. So you could actually have your cake and eat it too, where Damien is a good person and is using the League of Assassins for good. And, like, doing the sort of, like, stupid wanted Morgan Freeman thing where you you smite the good, like, the bad people and occasionally run into a good person and have beef with your dad. You could have that. The demon is in his blood, whether you like it or not. And um, Snyder Williamson 
And Tynan had it right during No Justice, the No Justice weekly event, where um, Damien looked at his father dead in the eye and was like, why aren't you killing everybody? Why aren't you ending this? Why aren't you killing Brainiac? Because he is a villain. He sees the, the true evil in the world and wants to smite it. So he needs to be the head of the demon. That way he can smite out the evil he sees. And I hate him solely because of the fact that he doesn't need to be Robin. There doesn't need to be a Robin until technically when Duke shows up. Like, by that time, Tim is either graduated to being Red Robin or something else has happened where he's probably Red Wing or whatever the hell you want to call him next, where he's the, like, the next Nightwing or about to be Batman, where Duke is the next Robin because Damien shouldn't exist. Grant Morrison needed to stop trying to bleed his mark on everything. And Grant Morrison, I love you. I, I love your Green Lantern run. I love parts of your Batman run. I love Batman of Zorana. I love your Batman RIP stuff. But Damien was a mistake, whether you like it or not. So it's just one of those things where Damien is better off as a ninja. And this new little gray costume. <laughs> thing, ninjas. Ninjas, yeah. Like that whole, this new little costume where it's like gray and he has a domino mask on. Good. Like, I, I literally put on Twitter, I was like, good, that is where you belong. And there's that that great shot from the end of the Teen Titans run where he rips the R off his chest. I'm like, good, imagine that's my hand taking your, your uniform and ripping it off your undeserving body because you never deserved to put on the red and green because this was never for you. Grant Morrison spun your little katana and made you Robin when you never should have been. And something I think that would be an interesting narrative to explore is the differences between Cass and Damien, because they're both from yes. both of, you know, they each have a parent that is a world-class deadly assassin. And they're from yes. these massive legacies of just, you know, martial arts shenanigans and killing that, you know, Cassandra doesn't want to be her mother and she actively pushes against that because she rejects that ideology. Damien has not fully rejected that ideology. He sees parts of it as normal. He's like, no, this is what we should be doing. And, you know, obviously different writers have different takes and, you know, Damien's acceptance or rejection is, you know, dependent upon whoever's writing it but at no yeah. point has Cass Kane ever been like you know what mom let's just kill everybody you know that's exactly. kind of Cass's whole deal so I think you know having that you know essentially putting those two in close proximity with each other and having them having them explore those connections together I think that would be an interesting foil for each other and you know Cass is Damien's childhood crush and that is just a narrative that I accept Okay, that's fair. I get that. I just think it'd be really cute that if Damien's childhood crush is Cass and she's just kind of like, I don't even know you exist. Um, yeah, and it's like that. Like we we know there's goodness in Damien. You've seen it in the Tomasi stuff. You've seen it in Percy's Titans run. Like he is a good kid, but at the same time, he has his place. Same thing where Tim has his place as Robin. Like I know that. DC refuses to like let anybody explain why he's now Robin again, and Bendis was just like, "Cool, here's your outfit back." Fuck Damien, but like that, like, and I, and I was content. I was content. I was like, "Yo, fuck this stupid duck concept." Quack, quack. But, but that, but like, like literally, like, fuck, like screw, seriously, like, screw the duck. The duck was dumb. Bendis never should have did it, and now 
Tim has his costume back, and that's what matters. But now I think we can finally, as long as Williamson doesn't step out of his lane and puts Damian where Jurgen put him, then we're good. But if Damian puts on another freaking cape, like it's one of those things where like Damian doesn't need to put on a cape. He needs to put on a cloak or like a, a tunic and be a ninja. That's fine. But like you don't need to be a Robin kid. I'm sorry. Just go be a ninja, please. I'm sorry. And that, that's the end of my Damian rant for the day. Um, the last couple things. Um, uh, Ram V is, is, is getting to continue his Catwoman run with Joel Jones getting to come back for covers, which cool. I'm not opposed to that. Mary, are you opposed to this? No. That was brief. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, I mean, uh, Ram V, he's do- it's a decent Catwoman run. Uh, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I think it's pretty solid. So, mm. so that's, that's where Fair I'm enough. at. Okay. Um, Tynan's continuing his, his Batman run and finally is getting away from clowns and writing Scarecrow. Which... Well, he's, he's writing that Joker book. Yeah, I was going to get to that in a second. Um, so, yay, Scarecrow, I guess. But, yeah, we got the announcement, and Mary and I were being a little facetious about it on Twitter because of embargoes. But um, why is this a thing? It's so dumb. Like, who, Tyne, please stop. Who even wants this? I am. I, I've tweeted about it Nobody. a handful of times now. But I'm proposing a moratorium on the Joker because he has the potential to be a very interesting bat foil. But he has been beaten to death. What more yeah. could you do with the Joker? I'm sick of upping stakes constantly. Joker war. Joker Armageddon. J- like Joker goes grocery shopping and blows it up. Like Joker Endgame, where he literally in Snyder's run drank Lazarus juice. Like yeah. there's nothing else. Give the character a break. Batman has probably the most interesting rogues gallery in all of comic books. Yes, but we have to limit it to the Joker. Just and like uh, kill him, and k- keep him dead him. for three to five years, then bring him back, and nobody will complain. Like not even that. Give it. Do what Endgame did. Do what Batman Endgame. Not Batman. Endgame, not but uh, um. What's the what, No Man's Land? Do what No Man's Land yeah. did back in the day, and just kick him off the board for for a year. Like get him away from comics because he's a plague. Not only is now that you've put punchline in the damn picture, which. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, neckbeards, and I'm sorry, cosplayers, because I know a lot of cosplayers have found that, that Punchline is, is a good character. But Punchline is just Carly Quinn 2.0. Well, that's, she's just she's just them dumb Harley Quinn. I'm sorry. Well, it seems like what, and this is pure speculation on my part, is that it seems what Tynan wanted to do was he wanted to flip Harley Quinn. It is incredibly mm. obvious that he wanted to flip Harley Quinn. Somebody told him no, and so he made Punchline instead. Because yeah. t- take Punchline out and put Harley in, and the story is exactly the same. Yep. Yep, you're not wrong. And now you have Harley Quinn being part of the Bat family now because of it. That it way you can gonna fully happen. separate. It yeah, was gonna and, happen. Yeah, and it's just like... Punchline, I'm sorry, Tynan, I'm sorry, Neckbeards, I'm sorry, cosplayers. Punchline was a mistake. Um, Joker wore, while it did have some high points, 
in time and I love your writing, it, 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 I can take it or leave it because it was done better a couple of years ago when Snyder wrote Endgame. Like, there's nothing higher you can take the Joker besides Endgame. Like, he literally was the embodiment of evil and was basically told to be Jack the Ripper. Like, he he was there as, like, the, uh, the, uh, the, the immortal entity. So, like, I don't need any more Joker stories. Snyder wrote the final one. And... Something I think would be a lot of fun, and I get a lot of mixed reactions for this. Okay. I think, you know, a, an anthology, a mini alternate universe, whatever, something I think would be really fun is to essentially reboot the golden age iteration of a bunch of these characters. You Ooh. know, switch it up as ever you see fit. Give me a second. Like basically New Frontier. Switch it up a little bit, you know, um, you know, do some race swapping, do some gender swapping, make it genuinely more interesting than what the Golden Age probably was at the time. Um, yeah. if you start digging through Golden Age comics outside of what has survived, it gets truly wacky. But, you know, have, you know, Golden Age Batman and Robin, you know, an updated Golden Age Batman and Robin taking on a Golden Age Joker. And Joker in the Golden Age was just a bad guy. There was nothing supernatural or whatever we're doing this week with the Joker. He was just modeled after a 30s gangster. And the Joker was his shtick. So have some fun with that. You know, have Golden Age Superman, you know. And I'm not even talking, you know, have it in... I, I admittedly haven't thought this universe through from end to end. But, you we know... Play, song, actually. play with different variations of the characters, you can tell different stories. Yeah. And that's why I really like multiverse stories. And, you know, that's one of the things I love so much about DC is the multiverse. DC's multiverse has ironically all crisis issues aside, always been their strong suit and nothing has proved that more than convergence. So have fun with it, you know, Quit trying to make the Joker some kind of god tier and to you know villain or whatever. Just tell a goddamn story. Like I'm just. I mean, I'm Mary, that's what Jeff Johns tried to do with with three Jokers. Didn't you like three Jokers? Me. <laughs> I know, right? The only thing three Jokers did was to get me to publicly admit that I don't 100% hate Jason and Barbara. Um, what? I was I was deservedly mocked online for that. Mary. I'm not talking, you know, I'm not saying they're my favorite ship ever. <laughs> they need to get married. No, 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 no. I like, you know, Jason having a crush on Barbara, particularly when they were younger. Barbara, we're both damaged. We should be together. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's really funny because, you know, you're not going to tell me that baby Jason Todd didn't have a crush on Batgirl. I mean, I can see it. I, I can see and I it. Think that's, I think that's really cute. And I think it's during Batman Eternal where Barbara kind of has what is probably a lapse in judgment. Where, Because um, the whole thing in Batman Eternal is that Jim Gordon has seemingly killed somebody. And mm. Barbara's going on a goddamn warpath. She's like, I'm going to hunt this guy down. I'm going to fucking kill him. And end of discussion. And Bruce is like, uh, Kate, Jason, can y'all just go handle this, please? And Jason's all like, I'm here to keep perspective. And Barbara points to Kate and says, no, she's perspective. You need to shut the fuck up. 
oh my god that those couple of issues are fucking amazing when batwoman's like i'm just kind of here but, <laughs> but um afterwards barbara's still really emotional and she and jason are talking and she tries to kiss him and he's like whoa now let's not do this that's much what happens in Three Jokers, where she goes, we shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. Well, Jason's the one that turns you down, because, you know, he's kind of like, look, you're doing this because you're upset. You're not doing this because you're interested. And because he had been talking about how um, his life was made better the day he met Batgirl. And so, like, I like Barbara being Jason's childhood crush. Or, you know, childhood okay. teenage crush, whatever. I like that. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm not saying that I want them to go off and get married or be a couple or whatever. No, I was deservedly mocked online for admitting this. But I like little cute humanizing factors like that. I dig it. I, I, I Okay. And what we need to do is make Jason being by canon Because he is. And him and, and Roy I, were meant to be together. And I hate that all of like those moments and that commentary i hate that all of it came from libdell i hate it right like you like, oh god but i hate that he okay was a scumbag triple a scumbag yeah and he's writing green hornet and i hate it but let's, let's not do that we're ha- i'm trying to be somewhat positive about dc while also offering criticism um so the last thing before we go um is literally me just going to go teen titans academy it's literally just new mutants and i kind of hate it <laughs> um but it, but like mainly because as you all know me and mary are new mutant stands and we and we want to see more new mutant shit and i swear to god if red x is just some random new dude and not jason can we and, stop like, I'm, playing I'm, to the cartoons already no 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 no, no. like <laughs> can we stop playing to the cartoons already no because like if, if 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 dc really wants to put red x in here like they really should they should stick with it because what um what tight ty- what, what Tomasi did with Arkham Knight was clever with with um old girl Arkham that's gonna be in future state. That's cool. But what, what Beast Boy said in the little Teen Titans mini episode was, I bet this is Jason Todd. And they rip off the heads and it's like Speedy and Tempest and all those other motherfuckers. And it's like, that should have been Jason. Like, and they say that. Like, they meant Red X to be Jason because they couldn't get the license for Red Hood. And that's cool. But if you're going to put Red X in this comic, you need it to be Jason Todd. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. It's just some random emo bitch and i'm like please god just make it jason todd please like i know williamson or whoever else is writing jason in future state but like please god just be jason todd that's all i ask tom tyler tom taylor writes a damn good jason todd he does he really does so like as long as i like and i'm excited for this new group of youngsters that's going to be at Teen Titans Academy. And apparently, like, all their memories have come back. So, like, Cyborg <laughs> remembers he was a Teen Titan and shit. So, like, yay. But also, F you, because that doesn't compute with this universe. But, like, whatever. <laughs> compute. I just, it's a... You know, I, I didn't even realize the pun. Son of a bitch. That's my best pun ah. tonight, other than the other one. That's a better pun than my other one. But, like, but, you know, that's that's my thoughts on Teen Titans Academy. It's just going to be New Mutants or Generation X for Teen Titans, which this should have happened a long time ago, if we're being honest with ourselves. But whatever. As long as 
it's better than the last book we had of it, I'm happy. Um, do you have any opinions on Teen Titans Academy? I know you're not much of a Teen Titans fan. Oh no, I am a Teen Titans fan. I just, I'm just. So well, you're more of a Wolfman and Perez Teen Titans. I am. Fan I'm, I'm a Wolfman and Perez Teen Titans fan. Um, yeah. I, I have no real thoughts one way or the other. I like Crush. I think she's probably the coolest of the new additions in the last couple of years. Yeah. But and even the way they went about the whole her being Lobo's daughter thing, um, <laughs> they were literally, it was literally just a hookup, and he's all like, "Oh." Well, I have a kid. You know what? I'm going to kill you anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um, and then the other book they announced for March, one of the only other books they announced, is um, Batman Superman by G- uh, Jean Lu Yang. That's great. But then they, uh, like, I, like, like, literally, we're not even going to, like, prop it up. That's great. Keep doing it, Jean. We love you. Keep going. That's all we got because that's we love your work. One person that gets away with no scars on my part. He consistently turns in God tier work. Like yes. Um. Well, there was one other one that I wanted to talk about before we go. We're, we're about to wrap up, and I wanted to talk about one more thing. I'm trying to scroll through the solicitations. Um. What was it? Maybe I'm crazy. Oh yes, yeah, Suicide Squad. <laughs> you and Travis were oh. so angry. I, Robbie Thompson is on my shit list right now, um, because if I remember correctly, wasn't Robbie Thompson the one who did Teen Titans last year? Yes, he was. Robbie Thompson is the one who, and Adam, Robbie Thompson and Adam Glass are the ones who did Damien is a Psychopath. So, Robbie Thompson's on my shit list. But at the same time, A, I'm not really excited about John Cena, a.k.a. Peacemaker, leading the, the Suicide Squad just because the movie's coming out. Um, I'm really scared about why, in the name of God, after everything Bendis did to pull Connor Kent out of the multiverse, well, he barely did anything if we're being really like all he did was say that pre-crisis well pre-flashpoint connor got stuck in gem world and that's how he's back but like whatever like after him barely writing that we're somehow saying connor kent's back to wearing his red t-shirt and he's about to be interviewed to be part of the suicide squad That that that's that's all I got. Like, why is Connor Kent going to the Suicide Squad? Um, I because grumpy. I don't know. Yeah, like it just it feels like somebody just really wants to prop Jonathan up and just wants to scrape away Connor, even though we just brought him back. And I'm just like, please stop. Okay, I just and got this, my boy back. This is where I piss off a lot of Young Justice fans. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Leather jacket or go home. Mm. That, that, that's my whole thing. Leather, leather jacket or go home. The t-shirt is uh, The t-shirt is stupid. Uh, uh, see. The t-shirt is stupid. <laughs> like... I partially agree with you. The reason why I say partially is that 
the leather jacket and the Superboy-esque suit is cool for the era, and I like that Jorge Jimenez kind of trying to bring it back, like, yeah, still got the spikes, still got it in the modern era, it's cool, because of Bendis or whatever, but if you're gonna do anything with Connor, if you don't like the t-shirt, do what Future State Suicide Squad slash Titans of Tomorrow Connor has, where it's a Superman suit, but it's a blacked out Superman symbol like his t-shirt. Like, that's my compromise. If you don't like the t-shirt, just give him a suit. That I will accept, but leather jacket or go home. (laughs) Okay. We're going to go ahead and wrap up this show, folks. Don't forget that you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, Pandora, um, Amazon, Audible. If you have an Audible, you don't even have to have an Audible subscription. If you just don't want to have Amazon Music and Audible and you already have Audible and want to listen to us, please do. Uh, I'm not looking to get us an affiliate code since we're on there, but like, because um, it'd be kind of cool to like listen to some graphic novels because they do have those um, cool, um, like different young adult novels that have been translated into audiobooks that, that DC's been doing. So that, that could be an option for us. But um, don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast. Um, you can follow the website on Comics Ground on Twitter and Instagram at on Comics Ground. And you can check out on comics ground dot com for all of our reviews previews solicitations all that great stuff um i'm surprised that me and mary filled the whole episode <laughs> um we're awesome going to with rambling and yelling yeah um but we will be back next week where we will on the day after christmas we will be recording and reviewing wonder woman 1984 and that will be a really good time so you will see travis back for that we'll be having a good time mary is going to be hyped as hell. I I very much am. Everything I'm hearing about Kristen Wiig is that she's phenomenal and I am ready for it. Yeah. Um, So, after all the ranting we've done, Mary, what is your closing statement for this episode? The t-shirt is stupid. (laughs) See, I thought it was going to be Stephanie theme, but that works out. Um, I've I've done that girl enough. And I always... (laughs) I have a lot of friends that love her very dearly and I never actively try to shame anyone for liking Stephanie. That's why I consider, if you yeah. notice, I always consistently point out that these are my personal hangups with the character. Yeah. Okay. Um, my closing statement is Damien, just be a ninja. We don't want you here anymore. Just be a ninja. Um, and don't forget to support your local comic book shop, folks. Times are hard because of COVID-19, but some comic shops are still trying to exist despite whatever DC's doing with distribu- distribution and whatever Diamond's trying to exist in, in, a, in, a, post, uh, in, a, in a current COVID-19 era. So please support your local comic book shop when you can, whether it be just using their affiliate uh, system through Comixology, whether it be putting on a mask and going to support them. Please wear a mask, people. Like, don't just put it under your nose. Put it on your nose. Take care of yourself. Like, literally, we're hitting 3,000 uh, deaths a day. Just care about each other, love each other, and love comic books because in these hard times, they're some of the, the last vestiges of good stories we have. So, yeah. Um, that's where I'm going to end this episode, folks. We'll be back next week for our Wonder Woman 1984 review. Um, Merry Christmas for everybody. Happy holidays. And we will catch you folks next time right here at Panel 2 Panel. Peace out.